Why do I say this? Because for most of us, if not all of us, I, I, I know from experience and from my own experience that when we get into those battle situations, <laughs> all we can think of immediately, God, get me out of this. How fast can I get out of this? Uh, how can I shorten my Bethel experience? How fast can I run? How quickly can God remove uh, me from this pain, loneliness, sorrow, and grief, and crushing experience? I know what I'm talking about. Because I've been there. It's like they say, been there, done that, and I do have the T-shirt to prove it. <laughs> But often in my Bethels, I discover, and this is a 52 years of walking with Christ, I discover that there are dreams and visions that can only be found in Bethel. There are unique blessings that God can give you, and they can only be found in Bethel. Whatever your Bethel may be, there are all messages that God can only communicate to you when you are in your Bethel, that there are manifestations of God that He wants you to receive uh, only when I'm in my Bethel. There are some glorious lessons that can only be learned when you are in your Bethel. There are truths that God wants us to grasp, but only when we are in Bethel. Why? Good question. Why? Because only in Bethel that we go through, we find ourselves not operating in our own strength, uh, not filled with our own schemes and plans and ideas, not filled with pride of success. And oh, what a dream God gave Jacob! <laughs> what a dream! A stairway to heaven. A stairway to heaven. Many years earlier, the people, well, flip the thing back again if you don't mind, the, the map. The people of Babel, right in the same area here where Haran is. Remember the, the tower? How many of you remember the Tower of Babel? The Tower of Babel, the, you know, just somebody said call them babbling idiots, but not, that's not really what it comes from. The babbling is, it, it may have come there, I don't know, but. but the Tower of Babel, what the people of Babylon wanted to do is to build a tower to the Zodiac. And they said, we're going to reach God. Some people thought, oh, man, they, they, they really thought they're going to build a tower that's going to reach to heaven. No. <laughs> they're not that stupid. If they did, they would go to the mountain. They started in the valley. <laughs> they were building a tower to the Zodiac to read the stars. Because they said by reading the stars, they thought they can know God. That's how to reach God. And God, of course, as you know, came down and literally confused them with different languages. They want to worship the creation and think that they're worshiping the, the, the Creator. And how many people are doing that in our day? Question, how many of us who are so blessed of God, we find ourselves preoccupied? Preoccupation is another word for worship, because whatever it is is occupying your time and your attention and your effort and your money and your resources, that's object of your worship. 
how many of us find ourselves more preoccupied with God's blessings than with Him the blesser. And that is why God has to take us into brokenness and aloneness and being alone in Bethel. And here, years later, with these people trying to reach God by reading the stars, God is reaching down to Jacob. Beloved, that's what set the Christian faith apart. All the other religions, they're trying to reach God. They're trying to find God. They're trying to please God, a God that they don't know. But only the Christian faith where our God reaches out to us. Can I get an amen? amen. And here they are. Years later, God reveals a bridge between heaven and earth, a stairwell, and the angels coming up and down, and the Lord himself is on top of that stairwell. You see, they wanted to go up, but God actually comes to us. Listen, I believe with all my heart, God wants us to experience his presence. But you cannot experience the presence of God without the cross. Amen. Why? Because the cross is the only stairway to heaven. The cross is the only bridge to heaven. The cross is the only highway to heaven. The Babylonians wanted to reach to God, but God is the one who reaches out to us. Beloved, listen to me, listen to me. The Bible said no one seeks after God because God is the one who seeks after us. God is the one who always reaching out to us. God is the one who always wants to bless us. God is the one who always trying to pursue us if we just stop long enough so he can catch up with us. Problem is, all of these blessings can only happen when we stop our frantic, our frantic efforts. And that's why the Bible said, be still and know that I am what? Be still and know that I'm God. In Jacob's case, God waited until all of his scheming, all of his maneuvering, all of his um, uh, 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 plans and tricks stopped. Until all of his pursuing of his ambitions, uh, until all of the self-centeredness began to fade in the background, and he's all alone with God. What did God do? He gives Jacob a glorious vision, a glorious vision. And when Jacob wakes up from this vision, he, 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 he was so, he said, this is, place is amazing. And that's amazing, like I explained in the last minute, what it used to mean. <laughs> not now. <laughs> it's awesome as it used to mean, not the way we use it now. <laughs> and so he couldn't help but conclude, verse 17, Genesis 28. How awesome is this place? This is no other than the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. And then he calls the place, like I told you, Beth House, L, E-L, God, the house of God. And here in Bethlehem, he built an altar just like his grandfather before him, Abraham, built an altar many years earlier. Beloved, listen to me. This vision 
is nothing less than a vision of Jesus 2,000 years before his incarnation. Can I get a witness? This vision of Jesus, it was the bridge to heaven. What a privilege for Jacob to see a vision of Jesus 2,000 years before Jesus is incarnated. Just like his father, his grandfather Abraham. And that's why Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And then he said to them, he said, Abraham saw my day. Can you believe that? Yes, he had a vision of Jesus before he came. And that's when they got mad, they want to kill him. You see, that's a privilege that God has given to him in the midst of his brokenness, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his confusion, in the midst of his loneliness. Not only that, but he received the affirmation of the continuous blessing that God gave originally to Abraham. What was it? That the Messiah will be born through his line. Beloved, when God blessed Abraham, and God blessed him because of his descendant, in the book of Galatians it says, the seed in the singular, not seeds in the plural. And that the seed of Abraham... The Lord Jesus Christ will be born through Jacob's descendant. In fact, in John's gospel, you find a man by the name of Andrew. He's Peter's brother. Andrew might not have been a great evangelist. He did not evangelize and tell people every, everywhere about Jesus. But you know what he was gifted in doing? Bringing people to Jesus. And you might not be able to articulate the faith, but bring people to hear about Jesus. Andrew was recognized that that's all he could do. He brought people to Jesus. Andrew went to a Jewish man who was very Jewish, who followed in the tradition of Israel or Jacob, and his name is Nathaniel. He said, Nathaniel, I'm so excited because we found the Messiah, the one that all of the Old Testament has been prophesying is coming. He's here. And Nathaniel, Nathaniel said, where did he come from? Who's his family? Who is he? How is he born? What is his ethnicity? He said, come and see. I can't answer your question, but he was born in Nazareth. Oh. <laughs> Nazareth. I mean, they looked down their noses on Nazareth. Man, I mean, that was, uh, it was a stinking little town. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Are you kidding me? The Messiah? Yeah. Come and see. Come and see. And what did Jesus do when he came in? He knew that this is a man, that a Jew of a very Jew, who's absolutely followed in the tradition of Jacob or Israel, because Jacob and Israel are the same, same person. And then he said to him, he said, You are a Jew in whom there is no guile. Nathaniel kind of Looked, he said, well, how do you know this? He said, well, before Andrew called you, actually, to come here, I saw you under the tree. And Nathaniel became a believer. What is Jesus saying to Nathaniel? I am the fulfillment of of Jacob's vision. 
when Jacob, Jacob saw the Lord on top of that ladder, he saw me. And I'm the fulfillment of that dream. Rejoice in your Bethel. Secondly, respond to your Bethel. Respond to your Bethel experience. Beloved, I know there are so many people who waste their Bethel experience. They really do. They frantically and they waste, they get frantic and they waste it. They waste the times of brokenness. They waste their times of waiting for God. They, they waste. But Jacob responded to that vision and provision. How? By taking concrete steps of expressing gratitude to God. Hear me out, please. Many of us who are actually saved, and we know that we're saved by faith alone, that we're saved by the grace of God alone, we seldom think about it. Occasionally, we might remember and say, oh, reading the Scripture, something, somebody said something, or I hear a hymn, and say, oh, God, thank you for my salvation. That's a gift from you. It's not something I worked for. You did it. We do that occasionally. Thank you, God, for my salvation. Why? Because we get so bogged down in this world's business, we, we become so consumed even with doing some good. <laughs> and after a while, we begin to convince ourselves that, you know, yeah, God is sovereign. He may have chose me, but He really must have seen something good in me. God knew what He's doing, right? He knew that I would be a good servant for Him. He knew that I'm going to be… He, he knew this. So, you know, it's, a, it's a sort of a partnership. God did His part. I did my part. And it's a partnership. You know what the saddest thing is? I told you earlier, I don't go for statistics as much unless they're really… Uh, I, I mean, it's proven. The Pew Research had done extensive study during this 19th, uh, for the year 2017, which is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And they found that the vast majority of evangelicals think the Reformation was not even necessary. Vast majority of people. And this is not mainly, this is evangelical people, evangelical churches, people who believe the Bible. Because they said, you know, we have come to the conclusion, uh, we agree with our Catholic brethren that it's a combination of faith and works. Major study on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Beloved, sola fede, faith alone, grace alone has melted into our 21st century pride of evangelicalism. Why? Because there is one thing about salvation by faith alone does. Listen carefully, please. Listen carefully. Faith, salvation by faith alone does something very significant. Eviscerates human pride. Hello. God saw something good in me. No. Paul said, while we were dead in sin and trespasses, Jacob said, not only I'm so overwhelmed by God's grace, I'm overwhelmed by God's revelation, I'm going to do something tangible. I'm going to give 
back 10% of everything he places in my hands. Now, I want you to remember this. This was 400 years or thereabout before the law of Moses was given by the tithe. 400 years. Grace was always, always the biblical teaching. Now, here's something I don't want you to miss. Don't miss this. Jacob is going to give something. Hello? Jacob. He's going to give something. Jacob, who had spent all his life being a taker. (laughs) Jacob, who had been a getter. All of his life he has been characterized by scheming and and receiving and manipulating. All of his life he's been characterized by selfish ambitions. But now he's beginning to be transformed by the power of the grace of God. Here in Bethel, he responds to that grace of God by being a giver. Listen, when I hear people say, oh, well, tithing, that belongs to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, I say, no, wait a minute. Even if it is, are we supposed to give less under grace than they did under the law? Think about that. Beloved friends, generous giving is in response to the generosity of God. Generous giving is in response to the grace of God. Generous giving is in response, not a legal requirement, but is a gratitude to the grace of God. Listen carefully. When the Bible says God has a soft spot, I know your Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Literally, it means he has a soft spot because God loves all his children. He even loved the stingy. You know, he, he does. He loves all his children the same, and you're not going to change that. He loves the stingy, loves the generous. He loves, he loves us all equally. But he does have a smile on his face when a generous giver name comes up in heaven. Uh, he has a very soft spot toward them. Why? Because they are imitating him. <laughs> He's the giver. He's the giver of all time. Uh, I, this week I read something that my son Jonathan, uh, who's ministering in Sydney, Australia, that he wrote in, in, to his congregation, and I, I thought it was so fascinating. He said, you know, in legalistic churches, people are afraid to sin because God is going to hurt them. So they live in, in fear of God. He said, under grace, we're afraid to sin because we don't want to hurt God. I thought, how profound. Rejoice in your Bethel. Respond to your Bethel. Remember and return and learn from your Bethel. Here's a fact of history. Jacob's Bethel experience did not transform him into a super-duper spiritual man overnight. Did you get that? It began the process. Because I'm going to see throughout the series of messages, he falls back and back in the same old territories. He keeps going back to the same old territories. <laughs> in fact, the word sanctification is a big word theologians use, but all it means is daily process, daily becoming like Christ. I pray that I am more like Christ this year than I was last year. And that last year, 
I was more like Christ than the year before. It's a process. Christ-likeness. You and I daily often face all sorts of temptations. You and I often find ourselves in the same old territories that we thought we left long time ago. You and I found ourselves um, drifting into doubt and discouragement and despondency. You and I find ourselves in a place of fear and apprehension. You, you and I find ourselves often in a place of uncertainty and unsure which way to go. Beloved, listen to me. Those are the times when we need to return to our past battles. Those are the times when we must return to our past experiences with God. Those are the times where we have to go back, where we have encountered the living God, where we've experienced His mercy, we've experienced fresh grace, and we've experienced fresh love. Those are the times and the places that we need to go to in our minds and in our hearts that we've seen Him work on our behalf. These are the places and the times where we've experienced past blessings. Those are the times and the places where we have seen God move mountains on our behalf. Those are the times and the places where we have seen God heard the cries of our hearts. Those are the times and the places where our memorial stones stand. Whether whether you are experiencing brokenness and pain, whether you're experiencing it now, in your life, this moment, whether you're about to enter into it, or whether you just came out of it, you and I must remind ourselves over and over and over and over and over again, the God who met us in our past Bethel is going to meet me again. The God who forgave me in the past will forgive me again. The God who blessed me in the past in Bethel, He will bless me again. The God who touched me back then will touch me again. The God who gave me dreams and visions in the past is going to confirm these dreams and visions again. And so rejoice, respond, and remember. I'm going to ask the musicians to start coming up here. Because in a moment, we're going to respond to this message. I know that I have preached the truth. So what of God? And I know some of you have impacted, been impacted. You've been reminded. You got away from past Bethel. You never looked, went back in order to draw from the well in Bethel. Will you affirm today? This is the time when you rejoice, respond, and remember. What are you going to do? Let's all stand and bless the Lord in a song.